0: Today's sermon text reading comes from the book of John chapter 15 verses 18 through 27 and chapter 16 verses 1 through 4 and it can be found on page 7 of your worship folder. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, they hated me without a cause. In chapter 16, verses one through four, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Have you ever faced opposition for living the Christian life or any kind of opposition for your faith? And then once you face that opposition... You started to question yourself, maybe even doubt that you believe the right things or are doing the right things. I faced that over the past couple of weeks. I've shared before how someone sent me a Facebook post saying, I hope your church plant fails. And another person right after that said, you offend me. And of course, I was heartbroken by those words. I started to think to myself, well, what did I do wrong? Should I have done things differently? Maybe I need to accommodate more to the world. And then just this past week, someone sent me this ridiculous uh, Facebook uh, post with a uh, ridiculous meme. I'm not going to even try to explain it. But it basically was accusing God of being tyrannical because of all the suffering in the world. This was sent by a self-proclaimed atheist. When I got that, again, I was heartbroken. I thought to myself very briefly, just briefly, maybe he's right. Maybe God is this tyrannical God. Just for that brief moment, but, but then I moved on. Maybe you know what I'm talking about with your own experiences. You've shared the gospel with someone and it didn't go well. So then you wonder, well, what did I do wrong? It must be me that's the problem. Or maybe at work, you've taken a moral stance, a right stance, but then you were ridiculed for it. Then you question yourself, maybe I was wrong. Or it can come in this form, where you know that you should share the gospel with someone, but you don't because you're scared. Fear of man sets in. You are so worried about what that other person is going to think of you that you remain silent and don't do anything. This is just a reality of living the Christian life. We will face opposition, and there is that temptation to fall away for a little bit. And if that's us this morning, the good news is that Jesus knows we're going to face this. And Jesus cares because he's speaking words of encouragement and comfort to his disciples in these verses. And he's doing that to encourage them because he knows how hard it's going to be. 16 verse 1, Jesus says, I've said these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus knows how hard it's going to be. We're going to face that temptation. So he's going to encourage us. And then verse 4, Jesus says, but I've said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The hour of opposition will come. Jesus knows it's going to be difficult for us to stand our ground, so he speaks these words to strengthen us so that we won't fall away and stand in that difficult hour. And so that we can get, all get strength this morning, we're going to unpack these words of Jesus, which are so wonderful and heartwarming, as heavy as they are. And we're going to unpack these words in three points. First, the severity of suffering, the severity of opposition. Second, the reason for opposition. And then third, truths we can stand on that will give us strength when that hour comes. So first, the severity of opposition. And and Jesus paints the severity in very stark and dramatic terms. And he's doing that not to just be heavy-handed. The Bible's not just being gloom and doom here. The Bible's not trying to to scare us, and here we are just going to hear a a heavy sermon on opposition and, and suffering. No, Jesus is making us aware of how severe it can be. So that way we are not taken by surprise that we can expect these things. We should be willing to endure these things. So that way when they happen, we're ready for it and we will stand. And look at how Jesus explains the severity of suffering. He says in verse 18, The world can hate you and know that it has hated me before it hated you. And so opposition comes in the form of hatred. And that is a very strong word. But that's how the world comes at us. The world is not going to simply hold us at arm's length. The world is not going to just view us as weird or those Christians with their unscientific beliefs. I mean, they will say that, but it's not going to stop there. But there will be actual hatred. And hate is the opposite of love. Love implies that we're going to share life with someone. We're going to respect what they believe, even if we disagree with them. We're going to listen to other people. That's love, and the world will have none of it for us. Now, of course, there can be different degrees of hatred. That's why Jesus says, if the world hates you. We're not going to all experience it the same way. But be prepared, hatred can come at us. I happened to read the story this week of of a woman who was in Pakistan and she was working in a store there and she was a Christian and there was a man from the community who found out she was a Christian and he hated her for her beliefs and so he thought he could go into the store and attack her which he did and he poured acid all over her. And as this woman is enduring the aftermath of all of this hatred. She said, what sustained me was Romans 10 verse 11. In the eyes of God, I will never be put to shame. And it's worth facing the hatred of the world because I love God so much. Opposition can also come in the form of rejection. And so that's what Jesus says in 16 verse 2. He says, they will put you out of synagogues. Here's what would happen in, the, uh, in these ancient uh, times here in, in the early church. The Christians would go to synagogues and that would be their center for evangelism because the Jews held to the Old Testament. And so the Christians would go there and they would explain how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament and how all of the Old Testament is actually about Jesus and he came, he died, and he rose. And there is salvation if we believe in him. And so they would go into the synagogues and Perhaps say things like, well, look at Genesis 3. The seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. Well, that seed is Jesus, and he came. Or look at Abraham. God is gathering a people unto himself. Well, now that Christ came, the gospel goes out to the world, and he brings in the Gentiles. Or, Or look at all of these sacrifices. They're just animal sacrifices. They, they, they can't save anyone, but they pointed ahead to the one who could save them, and that is Jesus. They would say, look at the, the, the line of King David. God promised to David there'd be an everlasting uh, reign from his line, but that's Jesus born from the line of David. Also God taking on human flesh, and he will reign forever. Just keep looking at Jesus, is what they would say. And they would proclaim the gospel sometimes proclaiming the gospel that way it would fall on deaf ears they would be rejected they'd be kicked out and we see that happening like in the book of acts peter and john are preaching christ in the the in the uh, temple square called solomon's portico and and just for proclaiming jesus they're they're arrested they're brought before the jewish authorities and the authorities say stop preaching in the name of jesus And facing that rejection, they said, we can't stop preaching in his name. It's better to obey God rather than to obey man. Opposition also comes in the form of the possibility of losing our lives. That's why Jesus says there in 16 verse 2, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. We could lose our lives. We see that in Scripture. Stephen, the, the first martyr, being stoned to death. Or James, the, the brother of John, who's put to death with the sword. One of my favorite martyr stories, if I can call it a favorite. I mean, We, we, we hate that, that these things have happened. But one that has spoken to me was, was that of the story of Guido de Bray. He lived in the mid-1500s. And he was put in prison for... Uh, his beliefs, and he wrote the Belgic Confession, which is one of the most influential confessions of faith in the history of Christianity. And it has been impactful in my own life. And he wrote to the, the king of Spain, who was in charge rather than to deny these truths, we would gladly offer our backs to the stripes, our tongues to the knives, and our bodies to the flames. And Guido de Bray did lose his life. He died by, by being hanged. And all of these things that I'm describing, hatred, rejection, the possibility of losing our lives, but maybe it seems like it, it's something for a, a different country, maybe China or parts of the Middle East, or even more like what we're hearing about in Canada. But these things are possible for all Christians to to experience, and we have to be ready and willing to endure these things. And here in Detroit or the metro area, okay, we're not going to lose our lives, but rejection is a real possibility. And maybe many of us know that, rejection. And if we haven't faced any of these things, then we very well could in the future, because opposition towards Christianity is growing We live in a post-Christian culture, and Christians don't have the privilege of the public square anymore. People don't listen to us. They don't care what we say. In fact, they're antagonistic towards us, the media is, and we are made fun of, and we are characterized. So be ready. Don't be surprised if you're rejected. Be ready to stand strong, because it's worth doing this for the sake of, of Christ. So that's the severity of the opposition. But then Jesus also in our passage is describing the reason for it. If you think about it, it's kind of strange. Why would so much hatred be unleashed upon Christians? I mean, I'm a Christian and and most of us here are, are Christians and Christians are loving people. And we've enjoyed the, the, the love and the sacrifices and sharing each other's burdens. And maybe even some people in, in the world would, would, would say, yeah, I've got a neighbor who's a Christian. They're, they're not all so bad. And look at all the things that Christians do. Sacrificing for people, serving the poor. How many hospitals and orphanages have been built in the name of Christ by Christians? How, how can the world hate us so much. How could there be any opposition? It's so weird. Well, Jesus explains why. And in, in explaining why, Jesus is, is strengthening us. Because here's the thing, when we face that opposition, it's easy to blame ourselves, or we, or we like doubt ourselves, we doubt doing the right thing, when it's really the world that is against us. And so it's very crucial for us to always remember why there's opposition. That way, we can stand strong. And so one of the reasons why Jesus says there is opposition, you look at verse 19, he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So the world hates us because we've been called out of the world. Jesus is referring to the fact that, that we are saved that we used to belong to the world. We we were stuck in our sin, but he reached down into our lives by his grace and he changed our hearts and he caused us to believe in him. And so we are born again. We we, we are new creations. We are alive in Christ, as Colossians says. And so we, we are very different. We are transferred from the world into the kingdom of God. And we still live in this world, but we are no longer of this world. So we've got different beliefs. We believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. But the world says there's all kinds of different paths to get to God. We have different practices. We 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 go to church. We worship, we sing, we give in the offering, we, we take communion, we listen to sermons. It's very different than what the world does on Sundays. We've got different values. We, we value forgiveness and working towards reconciliation. And the world wants to abide by this cancel culture mentality where you just trap people in their, in their sin. They are their, people are their past. So there's no escaping their past. And we want to keep pointing to people, to, to Jesus, and the removal of our guilt and shame. So what, what we believe, what we do, is just so different than the world, and because of that, they are going to hate us. We believe in a supreme God who is sovereign over all things, but the world wants to set up false gods of of, of science and medicine and money and power, and, and they want to bow to these things rather than the God of the universe. So the world sees what we do, what we believe, and they're going to hate us. Another reason why there could be opposition is because we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So you look at verse 20. Uh, Jesus says, remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So that, 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 that makes sense. That they persecuted Jesus, we, we follow after him, they're, they're going to come after us as well. Another reason why there's opposition is because the world does not know him who sent Jesus. So you look at verse 21. Jesus says, But all of these things they will do to you on account of my name. Why? Because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Maybe what Jesus is saying is a little confusing. What's all of this about having excuse for sin, not having excuse for sin. Here's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying that by his life, he has revealed who God is. Jesus is God, but he's also the perfect revelation of God. And people saw God the Father through Jesus, but they didn't know him, and they're guilty of that sin. That they're guilty of seeing God right before them and the fullness of God revealed through the person of Jesus and they still didn't know him. That's the sin they're guilty of that Jesus is speaking of. And Jesus is the revelation of God. You want to know who God is? You look at Jesus. Love, grace, and mercy. And Jesus did all of these, these works to, to, to show that he's God. He would raise people from the dead. He caused the blind to see, the, the lame to walk. He would drive out demons. And Jesus even commanded the storm, and the wind and the waves obeyed him. And all of this, he's just revealing he is God. And you want to see God? You you, you look at Jesus as the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the world didn't see God. And so there's opposition. And isn't that what's going on in the world today? People are willing to, to look at Jesus, maybe study some stories about Jesus in the Bible, Many will say Jesus is a good person. He was a good man. Maybe a, even a good prophet. Many unbelievers will at least admit that, that Jesus is worthy of, of following as an example. I mean, look at how loving he was. So we all got to be like Jesus. But they don't see God. They don't see Jesus as God. And so they're going to oppose him and they're going to oppose us. Another reason, this is the last reason Jesus gives, and this gets to the heart of the matter. This is what it all boils down to. The reason why there's so much opposition is because the world hates God. That's the bottom line. They hate God. Look at verse 23. Whoever hates me hates my Father also. And then verse 25. They, they hated me without cause. How can the world hate God. I think there's lots of reasons. You just look at Scripture. Why did they hate Jesus? Well, the Pharisees hated Jesus because Jesus would expose their religion. The Pharisees thought that they could earn their way to God by following the rules, doing the rituals. They could make themselves holy and make themselves right with God and thus secure their salvation. And Jesus blows all of that up And he's challenging the Pharisees. And ultimately, Jesus shows that you can't live by the law. That's why Jesus had to come to die for our sins. He's the perfect one. He's the only one who can follow the law. He's the one who who can give us salvation. We can't save ourselves. Our good works don't measure up. Jesus had to be our Savior. And the Pharisees just hated him because all their religion and and self-righteousness was just exposed and and they couldn't handle it. That's why people hate Jesus today, too. They don't want to be told they can't save themselves, that they have to trust in a Messiah to to save them. They want to cling to their own rituals and rules because they want to be about themselves, not able to trust in God. And so they hate God for it. Another reason I think there's so much hatred towards God is because Jesus exposes the false loves that we have. So I think of the story of, of the rich young man He goes up to Jesus. He says, I've lived by the law. What more must I do to get to heaven? And and then Jesus says, you got to sell all you have and follow me. And Jesus said that because that rich young man was trusting in his wealth. His wealth gave him his security and his prestige and his honor. And his wealth was his God. And he went away sad because... Jesus exposed that, and he couldn't give it up. He couldn't find greater joy in Jesus. Wealth was more important to him. That's why people hate him today, too. They're living for for, for money or for power, their own prestige, their own vision of what earthly happiness should be. And they just cannot find God to be more satisfying than anything else on this earth. They don't want to give it up to follow him. They want to keep those other things as number one rather than God. So they hate God for it. Then, one more reason why people hate God is because Jesus exposes our sin. And to receive salvation that he won for us on the cross, we have to have faith and repentance. We repent of our sins and believe in him and receive salvation. But people don't want to acknowledge that they're sinners. They don't want to acknowledge the fundamental flaw and depravity in their own heart. They want to cling to some some shred of goodness of their own. And so you start talking about sin and the need for for repentance. They hate God. They want nothing to do with him. Now it's possible there are people here today who are living like that, with that kind of rebellion against God. You hate them because you don't want to give up your religion or... Your, your false loves, or you don't want to acknowledge that you're, that, that, that we are sinners in need of a Messiah. Maybe you've come here today exploring who God is. You don't even know why you're here, maybe, but you're here, and you're just kind of curious about God, and, and then, then you, you realize, well, maybe I've been in rebellion against him in these ways. I've actually hated him. And if that's you this morning, there is good news. I hope and pray that the Spirit will soften your heart as a result of this sermon. And and, and God is a God full of grace and love and mercy, and he will forgive you. He will erase all of our sins, even if it's a sin of hating God or just being in abject rebellion against him. He will forgive us, give us everlasting life if we just come to him. And so if that's you this morning, been one of those haters towards God, just come to him. He will accept you and love you and save you. But then for the rest of us, just know why there's so much opposition. That way we can stand strong. Now we get to our third point. Some really wonderful truths that that, that give us strength to stand. And and Jesus has just given one thing after the other here. And so one, one truth that can sustain us Is that if we face opposition, we need to remember it's an honor to face opposition. Now our passage doesn't say it's an honor, but I think that's what's being implied. Because because go back to verse 20. Jesus says, remember what I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So so Jesus is saying, I'm the one suffering, you're going to follow in my footsteps. Well, it's always an honor then to follow after Jesus. Jesus. Just remember that next time you face opposition. What an honor. You're actually in a position of exaltation rather than lowliness because you're doing it for Jesus. You're you're, you're encountering what Jesus himself encountered. Another truth that gives us strength is in verse 25. Jesus says that that the word is written, that their law must be fulfilled. So, what that means is that, that God is sovereign over all of the opposition. Their law will be, perf- will be fulfilled. So, so that term law sometimes refers to just the Old Testament, uh, like first five books, or sometimes it refers to the entire Old Testament. I think here it's referring to the entire Old Testament. So Jesus is saying it's been prophesied. The Bible speaks that Christians will suffer opposition. Well, if, if it's been prophesied that this will happen, that means it's been ordained by God. God, nothing takes God by surprise. And he's got all of the opposition we face in his hands and will work it all towards the glory of those who love him. So be confident of that. Remember that when you face opposition. Another thing to, to, to cling to here is the last part of verse 25. They hated me without cause. And so know if you face opposition, there is no real good reason that you face opposition. It's on them. It's their wickedness. So you just stay stay the course. But there's also a challenge here. If there's opposition, it should be over Jesus. It should be over the gospel. It should not be over our own sin. The stumbling block should be Jesus, not us. let's be honest. Sometimes the stumbling block is us. As I talk to many people in Sterling Heights and beyond those who don't go to church, why don't you go to church? And so often it's because someone was treated so horribly by a Christian or or a pastor said something or a priest did something and it was so crushing to them and they left and they never want to go back to church again. And so there the stumbling block is not Jesus, the stumbling block is our own sin. And we just have to keep checking our hearts. We, if there's opposition, we want it to be because we believe in Jesus, we're proclaiming the gospel, not because of our own sin. So, so be challenged by that. And then what, one more uh, truth that that's going to sustain us. Uh, we, we didn't read it, but, but it's there in uh, 15, 26, and 27. When we face opposition, we can do so because we have the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus says in verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and, and you will bear witness. We've got the Holy Spirit. And I just love how, how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, because all of this is meant to, to give us strength when we face opposition. So, the Holy Spirit is called a helper. Okay, you face opposition, you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do. We've got a helper. And that Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And the Spirit will guide us and we can be confident of that. And the Spirit is sent by Jesus. So so the Spirit that is going to make us shine for Jesus and make us more like Christ throughout that whole process. This is the Spirit of truth. Okay, maybe we're tempted to fall away, but the Spirit will guard us in the truth that we belong to God and nothing can separate us from His love. And the Spirit will also enable us to to proclaim the truth to people. And then then the Spirit also uh, proceeds from the Father, which means the Spirit is also sent from the Father. That's what proceeds means. So so the Spirit comes from Jesus. The Spirit also is sent by the Father. So So the Spirit is going to enable us to do the Father's will No matter how hard it is. We we confess in the Nicene Creed that we say here sometimes that the Spirit proceeds from Father and Son. Well, it just means the Father sends the Spirit, and Jesus sends the Spirit, and we're going to do the Father's will. We're going to be like Jesus through everything that that, that we face here. Then the Spirit will enable us to bear witness. How encouraging is that? When you face opposition, it's like, well, I got to say something better. I got to you know, do this to to turn the tables. And we are so weak. We're not always going to say the right things. But we don't have to because the Spirit is going to enable us to bear witness. It's about God being strong when we are weak. And so, followers of Jesus, has the battle been fierce has the opposition been, been really tough? Do you feel like your faith has been weak, but your enemies are strong? Then know that God supplies all of our needs. We have a Savior, Jesus, who died for us, and so we belong to him, body and soul, and life and death, and nothing will separate us from his love. And we've got the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the one sent from God, the Spirit of Truth. And so let us stand strong in the hour of opposition. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess to you our weakness, but we know that that you are strong and all-powerful, and we thank you for your love for us, a love that would send Jesus, a love that would give us the Holy Spirit. And so help us to be encouraged by these words And help us to be bold with the gospel, not afraid of the world, but ever so bold because we just love you so much. And so may may these words not just be encouraging to stand strong, but but help us to, to see your love and your care for us in these words of scripture so that we are so moved by that love and we're just overflowing with it so we can share you with others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.